You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. they could have accomplished with the vast numbers of people who were saying they believed in Jesus and he was drawing to himself. But that wasn't what he was after. Jesus wasn't after that. He wasn't about building a crowd. He wasn't about having people follow him that way. He was about changing lives. He was about giving glory to the Father. He was about people who truly believed in him. See, Jesus discerned what's in a person's heart and through his word, then he wants to change that heart. During his time here, Jesus had the opportunity to gain power and rule. He could have become a great general or king of the history books who conquered all the lands, but his goal was greater. Pastor Dave teaches you today that Jesus is to be king of eternity. His interest is to save all lives and to offer a bridge to God's kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 2 as he continues his message, A Discerner of Hearts. You are he did many signs during that time so i can only suppose that he was healing the sick that he was making the lame walk he was giving the blind vision and he was helping those who were deaf to heal and the mute to speak he was doing all these things during this seven week john doesn't record them because he said if i recorded everything that jesus did there would be volumes and volumes. You couldn't fit them in the book. So we have to believe that Jesus was at work. And every time Jesus did a miracle, a sign, he also preached. He also preached about the kingdom of God. He also preached to them about the kingdom of God. And usually it was through a parable. It would be usually through a parable. He was at full speed. He changed the water to wine. Cleansed the temple. The Jewish leaders challenged him. Give us a sign. I'll show you a sign. And he points to his death and resurrection on a cross. Points to his resurrection. Says many believed in him. Many professed faith. And this is great, right? This is fantastic. You're probably sitting there thinking, what's wrong, Dave? Many people came to him. But Jesus didn't accept their profession. He didn't accept their claim of faith. Why not? Well, I think the main reason is Jesus being God knew the belief, their belief was based only on the miraculous. It was only based on what they saw him do. Jesus knew that their belief was only based on that. And there are many today, even today, that search for the physical, the material, the financial, as verification of Jesus' de- deity and his reality. Many today are seeking only these things. And the problem with this is that this leads to a very, very flimsy, faulty faith. It believes to a flimsy, faulty faith. Why? Because that faith is built upon sand. That faith has a foundation of sand. And you know what happens when tribulation comes in, when affliction comes in, when trials comes in, when circumstances comes in, it washes over you, and what happens to the sand? Gone. Gone. Sand doesn't hold up. 
Not only does the sand not hold up, but your faith doesn't hold up either. It's washed away. If you base your faith on signs and wonders, you'll never be satisfied. Let me say that again. If you base your faith on signs and wonders, you will never, ever be satisfied. You will always be looking for a greater sign. You'll always be looking for the next sign. When you'll be upset when things don't happen because your faith is not real. Your faith is not built on the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. If your faith is built on anything less, it's sinking sand. Sounds like a song, right? Our faith must be built on Jesus Christ. It must be built on who he is. Our faith must be built on who Jesus is. It must be based on who he is revealed in God's word. Paul says this faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It is only the word of God that points to the person, Jesus Christ, and this produces genuine faith. So we look at verse 24. Well, we should read 24 now. When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he did. We talked about that. In verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. He didn't believe in them. He didn't put his trust in them, his faith in them, although they were saying they believed in him. And the interesting thing here in the Greek, believe in verse 23 is the same word as commit in verse 24. That's very interesting. One of the commentators called these people unsaved believers. I like that, unsaved believers. You know, it's one thing to respond to a miracle. And I think if the Lord does miracle, and when he does miracles in our lives, we all respond. We all respond to that. But it's something else to commit your life to Jesus Christ. There's a difference. There is a difference. You commit yourself to Jesus Christ, and you continue on in his word. John gives us the reason Jesus did not commit himself to these believers in verse 24b. Look, he knew all men. And then in verse 25, and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus did not commit to these believers because he knew man and what was in his heart. Jesus is a discerner of the hearts of men. Jesus is a discerner of the hearts of men. We've already seen this. We've already seen this in the short time we've been in John. In chapter 1, verse 42, he knew Simon's character. In chapter 1, 46, he knew Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree. We're going to get to chapter 4, and he's going to tell the woman of the well all the things that she's ever done. He knows the condition of the Jewish leader's hearts in chapter 5. He knows who's going to betray him in chapter 6. He knows how repentant the woman caught in adultery is in chapter 8. He is the discerner of the hearts. And throughout all the Gospels, you always see Jesus knowing what the disciples are talking about, knowing what they're thinking about, even when they don't speak, even when they're talking about being the greatest. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. Oh, those kind of things. Jesus knows that. He's a discerner of heart. Sure, people were following him. They were even believing on him because he was showing them a great thing. Everybody likes a good show. Everybody likes a good show. But as you look at Jesus' ministry, it does eventually hit a turning point. The nature and the frequencies of the miracles start to slow down. And at the same time, the people believe that the teaching becomes more difficult. 
But it really didn't become more difficult. It's just that people began to understand what Jesus was asking when he said things like, whoever puts their hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of heaven. Or, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Or, take up your cross daily and follow me. They started to realize this. They started to understand these things. And it became hard for them to hear. They didn't want to hear these things. In fact, it ends up with him saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And they all left. They bolted. This guy's crazy. They bolted. You know the story. Looks at the 12 and says, will you leave too? Peter stands up and says, where can we go? You have the words of life. You have the words of life. Jesus has life-giving words. Where can we go? Why did the fans leave? Why did the people leave? I suggest to you that they left because the novelty wore off. The novelty of the signs wore off. There weren't as many of them. And Jesus was preaching more than he was doing. He was giving them the word of God. And the novelty wore off. And it is always the way. Even when you see a show, as the novelty wears off, the show is not as exciting as it used to be. But in order to make the show better, it gets bigger and it gets louder. And it gets more dramatic and can hold our attention. If it doesn't, it gets old. The novelty wears off and it becomes boring. You know who knows this? Hollywood. Hollywood knows this. They know that they can get your money if they make the movies more action-packed. If they get louder and louder and more people are eaten by dinosaurs. Or people are scared by spooky things. They can get your money, but it's never enough. You notice how it's even getting more spooky, more dinosaurs. It's getting louder and louder. you got to see this in IMAX. Turn your sound system up all the way to hear it. Explosions, loud, graphic violence is getting more and more graphic. Sex, more and more. Why? To keep you interested and to keep you coming back. Why do you think there's a Jurassic Park? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 810, 912. They want you to come back. They want you to spend your money on this stuff. So it keeps getting more and more exciting. If it was the same old stuff... It get boring. It would be boring. So if you believe in Jesus only for the show, it'll never be enough for you. You will get bored. You will get bored. If you only believe Jesus for the signs, you'll end up being one of the multitudes who walked away from him. If you only believe Jesus for what he can do for you, then he won't commit himself to you. He won't commit himself to you because he knows your heart. He knows why you're following him. He's looking in your heart right now as you sit here and listen to his word. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows the condition of your heart right now. I wish this guy would just shut up. I got something to do later. Come on, let's go. Why is he yelling at me? He knows the condition of your heart. He knows what you're thinking. And if you only believe in Jesus for what he can then do for you, then guess where the focus is? The focus is on you. All your focus is no longer on Jesus, it's on you. And you're the center of the attraction. You're the show. You're the main person. You're the focus. And if you're the focus, then you're on the throne of your life. Jesus is not sitting on that throne if you are the focus of your life. You're only calling on Jesus to serve you, 
And if you're only looking for Jesus to serve you, then you're the Lord of your life. You are the Lord of your life. And Jesus won't be your Savior. He can't be your Lord. Jesus knew people's hearts. He knew that they only believed in him because he was putting on a good show. They only believed in him because he was doing things for them. And they only believed in him because Jesus of the signs. And this is not true belief. True belief isn't about chasing Jesus' signs. Many believed in him. Let's look at that for a minute. He had a whole group of people that were gathering him around them, gathering around them. He could have capitalized on his popularity. He could have overthrown the government right there. He had all these people. He could have started an uprising. He could have gathered them all together, and he could have gone in and taken names. He could have taken Jerusalem by storm, but he did not. As a matter of fact, he did just the opposite. Verse 24 says he didn't commit himself to those who said they believed. Had an opportunity, maybe he missed. He could have built a great team. He could have had a huge following. He could have rallied against the coalition. Think of the things they could have accomplished with the vast numbers of people who were saying they believed in Jesus and he was drawing to himself. But that wasn't what he was after. Jesus wasn't after that. He wasn't about building a crowd. He wasn't about having people follow him that way. He was about changing lives. He was about giving glory to the Father. He was about people who truly believed in him. See, Jesus discerned what's in a person's heart, and through his word, then he wants to change that heart. When you truly believe in Jesus Christ, you get a heart transplant. You get a heart transplant. Oh, I know, we thought the heart transplants began in the 1960s, but God's been doing this for centuries. We get a heart transplant. See, God wants to change us from within. And it begins with the heart. Greek word for heart is cardia. Cardia, where we get the word cardio. Where we get the word cardio. But the meaning of this word is the middle of one's body consisting of all thoughts, all feelings, and minds. Not the organ pumping blood through our bodies. In fact, if you read the original King James, it says bowels. doesn't say heart. The heart is an important subject in Scripture. It's so important that it's mentioned no less than 836 times. From the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 6-5, we get a glimpse of the condition of man's heart. Quote, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. God saw the wickedness of man. He saw his heart, and he couldn't strive with him any longer. So he sends a great flood, and he destroys everything on earth except Noah and his family. And shortly after the flood, guess what? Things didn't change. Things didn't change. Man's heart was still wicked, and because of sin, man needed a new heart. We needed a heart transplant. See, God wants man to seek after him with all his heart. Look at the first commandment that was given to Moses. This commandment is so important to the Israelites that every Sabbath they recite it. It's called the Shema. It means here in Hebrew. It can only be found in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you shall be in your heart. The commandments of the Lord were to be in the hearts of man. Commandments wanted those words written on our hearts. But because of sin, there was a problem with the heart, as I said earlier. The Lord told the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things 
desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. The Lord knows man's deceitful heart. And that the heart of every man is desperately wicked. We're in need of a new heart. We need a heart transplant. The Lord had a solution, though. The Lord had a solution. Look what he tells Ezekiel to say to the nation Israel. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed. And get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Ezekiel 18.31. And knowing that man was helpless to get his new heart, God again told Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36.26, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a new heart of flesh. God gives the promise of a new heart, a heart towards him. But how would he accomplish this? What would be God's plan for the new heart? I told Jeremiah again in Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. A new covenant. This new covenant will not be like the covenant God made with their fathers. It would not be a covenant engraved in tablets of stone. God was faithful to that covenant, but the people were not faithful. We read over and over in Scripture that they broke the covenant. The new covenant is going to be written on our hearts. It's going to be written on our hearts. To accomplish this, God would give them a new heart. A heart transplant. Not by force, but by desire. The prophet said that the day would come when God would no longer write his law on, on tablets of stone, but on the fleshly tablets of man's heart. God was declaring that he was not seeking some legal relationship with man. He was looking for a loving relationship, a relationship based on love. God is not interested in binding you to some legal contract in stone. He desires that you serve him with a heart that is motivated by your love for him. That's what God wants. He does not want to bind you with chains to force obedience, but he wants your love for him to exceed your love for anything else. He wants your love for him to exceed your love for anything else. And as you serve him, this will rise spontaneously from your heart of love. God will not force you to love him. You will never be forced to love God. You'll never be forced to serve him. But God will give you a heart that you're seeking after. And when you receive this heart, you will love him. And you will want to serve him. The new covenant would be written in their hearts, he says. The new covenant would be written in our hearts. The new covenant was established through the man, Jesus Christ. That's where the new covenant comes. And this is where it comes in. We are under the new covenant. We're going to celebrate communion here in a very short time. We're going to celebrate communion in a very short time. And during the communion service, we say this. We recite this. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We say that as part of our communion service. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. We are all partakers of this new covenant through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And it's in the new covenant that I receive my heart transplant. God gives me a new heart, and he gives me a new life. Why else then would Paul say, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you know the verse, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. I have become a new creature with a new heart and a heart towards God. And that's what happens. There's a transformation. There is a new covenant. It's a heart transplant. Paul says to the Colossians in Colossians 3, 9, and 10, Do not lie with one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds 
and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge, according to the image of him who created you. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or syncophant, slave or three, but Christ is all in all. So the question has to be asked, well, why is the new covenant better than the old covenant? It's simple. The first covenant depending upon the faithfulness of man to keep it. The first covenant depending upon man's faithfulness to keep it. The new covenant is dependent solely upon God's faithfulness. Solely upon God's faithfulness. So, how do I enter into the new covenant? How do I enter into this covenant with God? I'm glad you asked that. You enter into that new covenant when you become born again of the Spirit. And man, we're coming to chapter 3. We're going to have such a good time with chapter 3. My goodness. What a great and glorious chapter chapter 3 is. Begins with the visit from Nicodemus. And many, many believed that Nicodemus was one of these people who believed in Jesus during those signs. But he had to find out a little bit more. When you become born of the Spirit of God, this place takes place when you allow Jesus to become Lord of your life. When you accept his sacrifice on the cross for your sins. When you confess to him that you're a sinner and you ask him for forgiveness. You turn the reins of your life over to him that he might lead you and guide you in all his ways. Then he comes and he begins to dwell within you by his Holy Spirit. And this indwelling present, he begins to change your life from the inside out. Old things of the flesh begin to pass away and everything becomes new. The heart transplant begins as we are conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. This covenant is not based on what we have done or what we will do. It is based solely on what God has done. And what Jesus did on a cross, because he is the one who will keep you in his hand. Jude writes these words in Jude 124. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Yes, the first human transplant began in 1967. But God's been in the transplant business for over 2,000 years. He is the one who gives us new hearts. Jesus is a discerner of hearts. He knows what's in your heart. He knows our hearts are filled with deceit, wickedness, and all sorts of the works of the flesh. But he loves us. And he continues to love us. And he died for us on a cross that day so that we might have fellowship with him and believe in him and truly have the faith, saving faith to believe in him. That he is the son of God. That he is the redeemer. He is the one who takes away our sin. He is the one that we can place our trust in, place all our hope in. Because his word is true. And if you haven't done that today, we're getting ready to take communion. Maybe you're one of those unsaved believers. I don't know. I can't see in your heart. Only God can see in your heart. So it's between you and God. You can fool me. You can fool me by the words you say and how you act and what you do. You may be in service to God. You may be doing all kinds of things for God. People are going, ooh, look, what's that? But you maybe have never make, taken that step to accept Him truly into your life and to become born again. You are a sure The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.